and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and today it's me and Redheaded Girl. We talk about the fandoms online that she loves, the shows and television shows and movies and books that she loves. What is it about fine, quality, crazy sauce that is so alluring? And what is she never going to ever read again? I'll give you a hint. It begins with dinosaur and it ends with porn. Speaking of porn, I should warn you, this is a supremely not safe for work or safe for riding in your car with children in the back seat, perhaps in Sydney. Hi, cats, kids. Don't say these words in front of your grandparents. Got it? The F-bomb quotient is high, is what I'm saying. And since Redheaded Girl has a great potty mouth, my own potty mouth competition sense rose to met, meet the challenge. Yeah, this is quite salty in its language. The music that you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have more information at the end of the podcast as to who this is, because it's awesome. And our sponsor, New American Library, would like to tell you, don't miss J.R. Ward's The King from New American Library, the highly anticipated new book in the number one New York Times bestselling Black Dagger Brotherhood series. And now, on with the podcast. I have questions. The oh, internet God. has many questions for you. Many questions? Jesus, fuck. Yeah, I hope we're, you have mine. We're, <laughs> we're still allowed to swear, right? Are you kidding? Yes. Fuck I had to yes. change the name of the podcast. <laughs> I did not change the content of the podcast. Okay, good. Cause... Good, because at this point, I can't actually control my potting mouth. Right, because, you know, iTunes can't have a podcast that's called Dear Bitches Smart Authors, but they can, mm-hmm. like, sell songs like, you know, hey, let's go fuck a Yeti. That's fine. <laughs> Is that an actual song? I'm, I'm betting so. Would you introduce yourself to the lovely people at home and tell them who, who you are and what you do? I... Am known on the internet as redheaded girl. It's true that icon in my Twitter. That is my actual hair. Nice. Is that chemically enhanced? Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> damn, that's some red. Yeah, it is chemically enhanced, and um, that was that was a really good sun day. Day of sun. I don't remember what day of the week it actually. The lighting was fantastic that day, and a friend of mine took that picture, and that's been my icon all over the place. I have many different names, but I stick with the same icon. So people can follow me, but not that easily. I'm from the, I'm of that generation of internet users. I was like, don't use your real name. Yeah, right. Oh my God, don't use your real name. And my yeah. real name is really distinctive. Yeah, I have never met anyone else who has your name. And, and you're, you're not gonna. <laughs> right. There's, there's a handful. I'm, I'm actually friends with Facebook on someone with my real name. And I don't know how he got it. <laughs> it is an actual name in Norway, but my mom spelled it wrong. So the uncommon first name, the uncommon last name. Yeah, where you're easily findable. I, I am literally the only me in the world. So that's why I'm a little bit edgy about not using my real name. Like everyone else on Smart Bitches does. And I'm just like, nope, I'm me. <laughs> Well, Elise, I'm a girl. <laughs> Elise doesn't use her last name, and I was too dumb to pick a pseudonym. Like, Jane Litt is a pseudonym. Sarah Wendell is my actual name. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I missed that memo. So, yeah, I occasionally, at times, write reviews. Woohoo! Woo! And it's fun. It's been so much fun. I read books, and I watch a lot of TV, 
and I'm looking for a big girl lawyer job. So if anyone has one, I am licensed in Massachusetts. So let's talk about romance novels because those are way more fun than law. It's true. All right. Well, it depends on the law. And then so, you do according to law and you mix the two together and it's amazing. Yeah. And, and, then, and then math, like because she also has an advanced degree in math. She'll uh-huh. plot her books out mathematically and then take a picture. And I'm just like, wow, that's numbers <laughs> with some squiggly lines. Yeah. You started reviewing for Smart Bitches because you wrote me with a help a bitch out. Yes. And it was somebody who was you, you read the book at a rest stop. No, I read the back of the book at a rest stop. <laughs> this was like the biggest needle in a haystack. I was like, there's no fucking way anyone's going to find this book. <laughs> you read the back of the book at a rest stop and emailed me as many details as you could think of, including the fact that the heroine went looking for something like a cookie or some hair or something. Or something. I don't know. Yes. And was in Hero's room for some. And as many of the comments were about the fact that people could, were trying to figure out the book as people who were saying, I remember that rest stop. <laughs> like half the population of the website has driven through Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the only place to get a decent cinnamon roll between Minneapolis and Duluth. Of course. So. And look, when it's that fucking cold. Hope you shout out, people. Yeah. The cinnamon rolls are amazing. The caramel pecan rolls are good, too, if you're into that kind of thing. I'm really not. But they're good. The coffee's shit. Well, yeah. But, you know, when it's that cold. You drive as long as you need to to get a good roll. Yeah. 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 So then oh, we yeah. found the book. We found the book. And then and you it read was, it. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, but those are the kinds of books that you like. I love those books. Like if there's fuchsia and teal and some sort of explosion in the background, you are all up in it. It's, it's redheaded girl bait is what it is. Yes, it is. I will sometimes read Help a Bitch Out submissions and think, Wow. Somewhere a redheaded girl just sat up and doesn't know why. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So now you read old school crazy sauce. Old school crazy sauce. As often as possible. Pretty much. And we did a cover snark last week and you bought one of those books. Based on the cover alone. I couldn't find a synopsis of the book. Oh, well, you but don't I need that. It, it was fuchsia. <laughs> but I needed to read it. Um, it's called Silken Chains. It's not as crazy as some of the stuff I've read. I mean, first you have the British Viscount who's actually tech from Texas. Of so, I mean, there that's a bar. Of course. It's a high bar. Of course. There's the one that I don't remember the title, but I think it started with a B. But I did review it a couple of years ago where uh, the heroine decides that she needs to figure out exactly who murdered her father, so engages in a cross-country trip across the Old West, disguised as an old woman with stage makeup. That's always better than when they disguise themselves as a boy, because somehow these nubile, gorgeous 18-year-old women fit in 12-year-old boys' clothes. Yeah. I have never understood that. Right. Well, at least in Silken Chains, the heroine does disguise herself as a boy but the hero is like really i can totally tell those are hips and boobs right like like, not even trying and then there's (laughs) always the part where she binds her breasts and it's so uncomfortable they still show i have seen some modern binders Mm -hmm. intended for trans men of course that work pretty that's that seem to work pretty well but they're also really not comfortable 
Right. And you don't want to hang out in those in a place with no air conditioning. No. And more importantly, when you have a chest to waist to hip ratio that is of some significant difference, and all of these heroines are always quite curvy, and, and, and the hero is just, you know, like like in a Bugs Buddy cartoon when the tongue comes rolling out and their eyes go, <laughs> ruga, ruga. You know, Accurate. that's the waist to hip ratio we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need to fill in the waist to hip ratio. Forget binding your breasts. You need to wind like five bed sheets around your waist. Yeah, and they never do. Of course not, because put on a pair of 12-year-old boys' clothes, obviously you look like a boy. Yeah. Now, I have an eight-year-old. There's no way on God's earth I could get one of my arms into his pants. <laughs> and he's a tall, thin little dude. When he's 12, forget it. I mean, I'm 38, so it's quite a ways from 18, but still, there's no way. There's no way. I When I was first introduced to the concept of romance novels back in my misspent youth, the friend who had been a crack pusher our entire friendship. <laughs> Those Seri- are always the good friends to have. She she was the first one to put um, fantasy books in my hands. So she's been crack pusher my, her, our entire friendship. Of course. And she started reading romance novels and I started reading them too. Because wherever Hannah went, I went. And... She really, really liked the ones that had heroines dressed as boys. I have a weakness for them. I completely understand this. And I remember kind of giving her a side eye and going, how does that, like, work? work?" And she said, I think it's because people just see what they expect to see. Which, okay, I can go with that. Sure. To a point, if I need to. But, I mean, we were very, very knowledgeable 12-year-olds at the time. Oh, yes. Once you break into the romance novels, you become a very, very knowledgeable person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know all the secrets. All the secrets. Although I will be honest that I didn't actually figure out what a female orgasm was for several years after that. Well, it's waves and crusting. It's waves and crusting. I did not know what that meant. (laughs) I had no idea until sometime (laughs) later. And... And you were the one who said in an entry a long time ago that romance novels convinced you to have sex for a second time because the first time was two virgins and no lube. Two virgins, terrible idea. Two virgins, unlube condom, (laughs) ain't no good. No. (laughs) No, and I literally had the thought going, this has to get better because... There's waves. Where are the fucking waves? It it had nothing to do with the waves. It it had everything (laughs) to do with... All these romance novels indicate that sex is awesome. Right, of course. That it's was not awesome. Ergo, somebody is doing something wrong, so we have to try this again. We need, we need to run the experiment again. <laughs> <laughs> we need a better control group. <laughs> well, <laughs> there were a couple of variables that were wrong. <laughs> Let us just say. Of course. We can go on from there. And you figured things out. And I figured things out. Of course. One of which was dumping his ass. But anyway. (laughs) Well, you know, that is a point which you have to reach. And because once you figure out that someone is not heroic, get the fuck out. Yeah, pretty much. Or you just go, oh, wow, you're actually an asshole. (laughs) You're not a duck. If you look at someone and go, wow. You're, You're kind of an asshole. Maybe you shouldn't date them. Yes, this is a good strategy. Yeah. 
And that would be why I'm perpetually single. No, you just haven't met the right hero yet. Obviously not. Or, you know, group of heroes or Hannibal, whichever. (laughs) Which leads me to my first question. This is my question. Okay. You are part of many different fandoms online. You're part of the romance fandom. You're part of the Hannibal fandom. You have a lot of fandoms. Which of all of the fandoms that you've been a part of, which are your favorites and why? Um... Well, it's an I'm, easy I'm, question, right? You've had wine. Right, exactly. I'm going to start with the the Hannibal Hannibal's Fanables because Is he an American Idol? No, Hannibal's is, Fanables? No. That's like Carrie's Care Bears and I I understand Taylor's somebody's and I'm adorable. not too sure who came up with the Fanable name. At one point, very early on in the first season, Clea Linda was like, man, I hope I hope we're not going with this. And then Brian Fuller was like, we're totally going with this. <laughs> you are fanables. I love my fanables. And we're like. Somewhere in Alabama, there was a howl. A howl of rage. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you're a member of the fanables. The fanables, Yes. Um, and what I like best about that particular fandom is that the show is dark. It is angsty. It is heavy. It's emotionally just exhausting. And the fandom and Brian Fuller really kind of helped sort of steer it in this direction is determined to be like, okay, we're going to have as much fun with this as possible. So People started photoshopping flower crowns on the characters just to, to make him a little bit happier. <laughs> <laughs> and like bringing the flower crowns to like Comic-Con. Then Fuller and Hugh Dancy were wearing them. And then Fuller took the one that was given to him and it took portraits of everybody involved in season two and would post them with their flower crown. <laughs> Because they appreciate the fans and they're doing it in a way that doesn't belittle us for being super passionate about the show. It is very much an equal high five. Yes. Um, as opposed to other shows I could name that seem to to look at their their fans and go, huh, you are way too invested in us without really understanding that fans are kind of what keeps them going. So... So which shows do you think had the wrong attitude? Uh, Doctor Who. And I, you I don't, don't say, say. I don't want to say the show. I, the, the current showrunner does. I think Russell T. Davies didn't really care. Stephen Moffat. Doctor I, get, I get the feeling that Moffat doesn't quite know what to do with anyone who has a vagina. I agree with you. What the hell? You need to balance it. Like have have respect for your fans and enjoy them. And if you feel yourself getting in that, God, you people are just too into this, walk away and don't don't engage. Sleepy Hollow is another show that's done really well with the fan involvement. Um, Orlando Jones, who plays a supporting character, jumped in to the fandom. And he's like, okay, I ship everything. Everything <laughs> is a ship and I ship it. Show me the fanfic. Right, I want of course. Stuff. And we're like, Really? Do you really? Wait, get it to me. I want it. I want it now. He's dubbed himself Trilando Jones, and we love him for it. I feel like I'm repeating myself now. The shows that have a healthy respect for their audience do the best. And that are aware that the audiences exist, 
but don't look at them from a place of what's wrong with you. Yeah. Orlando Jones is brilliant. Yeah. And he's just having a really good time. Like, hey, we're watching my show together. This is awesome. And it's yep. not even it's not even hate watching, which is yeah. like a totally different thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what shows do you hate watch? I I've actually kind of cut out the hate watching. You got enough hate reading, right? I got enough hate reading. Of course. There are so many like actually good things on that I don't television feel the has need. gotten really good. It, it really has. I think that a lot of the risks that used to be taken in movies and storytelling in movies is now moved over to TV. Oh, I totally agree with you. Breaking Bad would not have been a film. No. Mad Men would not be a film. <laughs> Masters of Sex would not be a film. Yeah. Uh, actually, this season of The Amazing Race, I'm kind of hate watching. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of, I, I don't watch a lot of reality television because I lose my patience mm -hmm. with people way too quickly. It is a flaw. But the the number of people on my Twitter feed who were hate watching The Bachelor was amazing. <laughs> like, wow, this guy was the biggest fucking tool. Yeah, and I know. Everyone I, was I read in. some of the articles. I didn't watch any of it, but wow. And I did see a clip from uh, behind the scenes or before the final rose or right. something where all the women were like, no, he was, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, we, we have no interest in him. Please don't pick me. <laughs> oh girl girl you didn't get a rose come sit over here let's all right let's hold on to each other it's okay we gotta just we just gotta pray so you like the hannibal fandom what other like fandoms do you love the sleepy hollow fandom definitely that show just amazes me it it totally should not work yes it should work like how'd you do that i listened to a nerdist writers panel podcast right with the the creator and uh -huh. the the head writer and he's like literally i was looking for stuff in the public domain i could bastardize <laughs> yeah and i saw washington irving and there was sleepy hollow and there was a time travel story but networks really don't like time travel because it's very confusing so i went with the rip van winkle version and put it all together and here it is and, and the and the police officer is a woman of color is a woman of color who's like five foot nothing. Right. And he's married. He's married. He has this very old world, world formality. Yep. Like he has, it's amazing when I see the, 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 the GIF sets, he has a physical boundary that he maintains with her mm -hmm. at all times. At all times. And, and yet the fandom's like, now kiss. And he's <laughs> like, but I'm married. And the fandom's like, no! we don't care. <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm sticking to my 12 and a half inch boundary. And yeah. there was one there was one set where some I think you posted it where someone was analyzing him helping her across yeah. something and he didn't close his hand over hers because that would be too too, too familiar. Too familiar. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Exactly. Like the the level of detail and like I could just watch Ichabod engage with the modern world all day long. Do you remember that shit-tastic movie with Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate and Leopold. Yes. Okay, I love the Sting song. Every treacly, cheesy minute of that song, I adore. And I was so ready for that movie until, like, there was Meg Ryan and she was just bitter and angry. His interactions with the modern world were the best part of that show. Exactly. The whole movie. The whole movie was him interacting with, like, frozen chicken patties that yeah. would that could have been like 25 minutes it was wonderful 
Exactly. And in that is so much of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. My uh, my kids go to sleepaway camp and I tend to save up shows for the summer and I'm thinking I'm going to binge watch Sleepy Hollow this summer. You you should. You should. It's delightful. I'm going to get addicted, aren't I? You are. You are. And we'll we'll welcome you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. The other thing that's interesting about the fandoms that you're in is that they're very friendly and welcoming. Yeah, I... There's no posturing, like, I'm the I'm biggest fan. I'm too fucking old to <laughs> deal... How with... old are you? 35. You're not that old. I'm 38. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am too old for internet drama at this point. Like, there are plenty of times where I will, you know, cheerfully sit back and just watch, but I don't want to get involved in it, and I don't want it... I don't want it involved in my fandoms. So you have no interest in, like posturing drama oh god no i'm secure in my my little corner of the internet i don't need to keep people out unless they're being assholes at which point i will show them the door exactly life's too short for assholes yeah and you know there are times where it's not really getting involved in tumblr drama it's more like your idea of what happened in this legal case is wrong Let me tell you. A couple of times. <laughs> and then you can have like an engaged debate. An engaged debate. And if they get snippy, then I'm like, oh, I'm done. It took me a long time, but I've learned to walk away from an internet fight. Oh, yes. It was a hard fought lesson. It's very difficult. That XKCD cartoon of Someone somebody is wrong on the internet. Yes. Totally accurate. It's totally 100% accurate. But there's a point of diminishing returns. It is so true. When you have an internet connected device with you at all times, it's mm -hmm. really easy to deliver just one more fuck you. Yeah. And all of the things you wrote in on. Okay. So, ready for questions? Yes. All right. Favorite romances? You have 10 seconds. Oh, fuck you. Redheaded <laughs> <laughs> girl reaches through Skype and smacks me. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, God. The Spy Master's Lady. I love that book. I love that book, too. It's such a gentle, friendly mind fuck. Yes. Yes. And she it's writes mind in fucking dialect. with respect. Yes. And she writes in dialect, and it's not offensive. Yes. It's amazing. Like, I can tell. Oh, you're speaking German now, even though all the words are English. Because you rearrange the words in order. Yes. And I realize that because I speak Spanish and I learned Spanish in Spain and there's a there's a completely different way of ordering the parts of speech. So if I translate directly from Spanish into English, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And she and and she did that with three different languages. Incredible. I love that book. Um pretty much anything by Courtney Milan. The heiress effect like made me feel all of the feel like she's Courtney constantly makes me feel all the feels. The heiress effect, like, it didn't make me cry, but it made me so angry at Uncle Tennis Elbow. <laughs> so I'm still, like, I haven't read it for months. And you're still I'm, mad? I'm still pissed off at him. I want to smack him. <laughs> <laughs> what a Rogue Desires by Carolyn Linden. I think that was my first A-plus review that I wrote for you, where I was yep. like, I'm squeeing all over the mop. Oh, get a mop. I'm, there's squee everywhere. Yep. <laughs> uh, yes, I call that setting the squee cannon to stun. Yeah, pretty Just fun. everybody duck. Yeah. <laughs> Season of the Sun by Catherine Coulter. Not because it's objectively good. It's, it's really kind of not. 
Um, but she's it was very purple. She's very purple. But it was the first romance I bought for myself. She is, oddly enough, the first romance I read. Midsummer Magic by Catherine Coulter was the first romance I read when I was in school. I have very bad eyesight and I was not interested in reading and I kept getting moved back in reading groups. And so I got it into my head that I was not very intelligent. And in high school, we knew who the valedictorians were by like end of sophomore year. And one of them was this what was this girl. And I saw her in the library and she was reading this really thick paperback. And I was like, well, of course she reads the thick paperbacks because she's valedictorian. She's really smart. So I work it up my, like my one little nerve, like my one little piece of bravery because I'm a you know very shy, dorky high schooler. <laughs> And I ask her what she's reading, and this is what she says. It's a romance novel. Oh, my God. I cannot believe you have not read these. They are so good. You <laughs> must come over here right now. Like, oh, my God. So she drags me over to the little spirally spindle rack of all the romance novels, and she has read every one and dog-eared the rape scene. So you can skip those. And she goes, but if there is a dog ear on the bottom, that's like totally an awesome sex scene. You should totally read it because they're amazing. But if it's on the top, just skip it because it's gross. And like she'd read every single one of them and was like, you have to read them. They're amazing. I can't understand why you haven't read these. They're so great. So she goes to the girl who goes to the ladies room and I pick up the book she's reading and I start reading it. And I am sucked in so fast that I checked it out of the library and ran out the door before she got out of the toilet. And I stole her book. <laughs> oh, my God. Midsummer Magic by Catherine Coulter. And within like four pages, I was like, this is the crack I have been waiting for all of my life. Where have you been? And I've read that book like four or five times since then. And there are so many objectionable things about it. I love every goddamn purple word. Yeah. And I met Catherine Coulter at an RT a couple of years ago. And all I could do is make squeaky noises at her. I was just like, <laughs> which is not as bad as the noise that I made at Loretta Chase, but it was way up there. Right. <laughs> oh, speaking of Loretta Chase, Lord of Scoundrels. Oh. Yeah. When that book dropped to one ninety nine, I felt like the entire romance internet went Guva. <laughs> like it was on the New York Times bestseller list. That book was like twenty four years old or some crazy shit. <laughs> I'm like Avon, just do it again. Watch the internet go. Guva. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what is the proportion of books read, bought at price, on sale, used, libraried, or borrowed from a friend? And this question is from Laura Shishi. Yeah, I saw that one, and, like, that's that's a lot of math. I try not to buy anything at full price. Lucky for you, all the fuchsia romances are available online for about 65 cents. Or I pay four bucks, and it's prime, and they, it gets in my door, like, in two days. <gasps> prime. prime. Fortunately, NetGalley loves me. Oh, that's awesome, because I have uh, had two instances this week where an author has emailed me and been like, here, I want you to read my book, here's the NetGalley link, and then I apply, and I get turned down. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I got other books. It's all right. Yeah. I don't borrow many from friends because they expect me to return them. Oh, what's that about? I don't know. Good it's God. like they've never met me. What is, this is from Jen Ellens, what is your go-to trope and your least favorite trope? Well, quote unquote, feisty heroines who show their independence by being bratty little snots and But that's like the best thing ever. Shit on fire. Like, oh, if you're going to set so something on fire, like, own it. Don't don't make it be a box of underwear. No. <laughs> you, you, set, you set something on fire. Boom. Oh. I, I don't like feisty heroines for quote-unquote feisty. I mean, there's feisty and then there's, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. 
You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Go to trope. I am deeply fond of, on TV tropes, it's kind of called slap, slap, kiss. Without the actual slapping, I don't think people should. Yep, fight him and fuck him. But fight him and fuck him and argue and. Like Julie James, banter, 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 kiss. Sure. I haven't read any Julie James, but sure. Oh, you would like contemporary and funny. And she is a former attorney, so she gets the legal stuff right. Which is alarmingly apparently quite difficult. But her main series takes place between a lot of characters who are in the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Chicago. You can read them out of any order, but the two, there's two that go together. One of the heroes um, goes to jail because his girlfriend dumps him. He's a computer genius. So he goes to Mexico. He gets completely drunk off his ass. And because she's tweeting pictures of herself in the pool with her new boyfriend, he brings down Twitter for like two days. Because he was in Mexico and because he brought brought it down with a hostile attack, um, it was a federal case. And he was prosecuted by this particularly uh, ambitious attorney who dubbed him the Twitter terrorist. And Dude, then, unfollow and block is a lot easier. Yes, but you don't get two books out of it if you don't take down Twitter. Well, that's true. Both of those books are wonderful because the first one is his sister gets uh, offered a plea, uh, a deal for her brother. Like they will they will help shorten his sentence if she would help them with a particular case. And she's like, fuck you. You put my my brother in jail for fucking Twitter. I mean, you're stupid. But then the next one is him getting out of jail and how he deals with having a little bracelet on his ankle. And he's a felon, but he's like a really smart guy. And he had, oh, it's done. They're just so good. And then the last one was actually about work-life balance, but it was interesting. It was amazing. I know you usually read Fuchsia historicals with, you know, girls in pants, but this will rock your world. Okay. So what else are the tropes that you adore? Well, you know, cross-dressing. Of course. Disguises. Yeah. I've become really quite enamored with spies, historical spies. There were a lot of spies. There are almost as many spies as there were dukes. I know. It's really quite... How did that happen? Not arguing. (laughs) Not arguing. I win. (laughs) Sure, right. Look, the Napoleonic bad guys... And it's always the Napoleonic bad guys. They always. got up to a lot of bad shit. So Short and angry. Every last one of them. Exactly. Totally. So there needs to be a lot of spies and there need to be a lot of traitors. Yep. Like the French Revolution just fucked everything up. What trope, this is from Mia West, and this is a really good question. Mm-hmm. What trope would you most like to see gender flip? Because you're a big fan of the gender flipping. I'm a big fan of the gender I can't. Okay, I've been thinking about this question since I saw it on Twitter, and I <laughs> still don't, like, I do, I do homework for podcasts. <laughs> it's what we do. Of course you do. <laughs> and I still don't have an answer for this, because I generally don't know what I'm going to like or not like until I actually read it in a book. <sighs> it's hard to answer. It's hard to answer. So I don't have a good answer for it. I'm sorry. Did you read um, Anna Cowan's, I think it's Untamed, where the hero is disguised as a woman? No. Oh, you need to read that book. She is an Australian author. It's her debut book. And in it, the hero is trying, I don't remember the particulars, but he is hiding out in plain sight. And he is a very convincing woman. 
Interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's historical, so it's fascinating. This is from Kevin O'Shea. Why is a Boston cream pie neither cream nor a pie? You're from Minnesota. You don't know the answer. I'm from to that. Minnesota. I don't I don't actually know the answer to that. I just live here. Do you have a <laughs> recipe for hot dish? I have many recipes for hot dish. <laughs> Do you have the recipe for the salad that's actually ice cream and whipped cream and cookies? Snickers salad or candy salad or whatever the hell it was? No, but I can get it. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Because, see, I grew up in Pittsburgh, which is very Midwestern in attitude, despite being part of a mid-Atlantic state. And so all of these Midwestern customs are both foreign and familiar at the same time. Because we didn't have, like, the hot dish and the giant dessert, but we have sandwiches where you put the French fries and the coleslaw in the sandwich. All right, last question. What you reading? (laughs) This one I am prepared for. I knew you did your homework. That's why I saved it for last. (laughs) All right. So I just finished In Her Corner by Vicki Essex. (laughs) How did you like it? I liked I liked it for a contemporary. But you're not big of a not a big contemporary reader. I'm not a big contemporary fan, but I am a well, at this point, former martial artist. So uh, you're not marshalling your arts anymore? No, I I blew out my knee Ouch. years ago, and then was trying to rehab that as I was finishing my last year of law school, and like the anxiety of going to the dojang where I blew out my knee. That's not going to help. That was not helping, so I had so I had to back away. What um, martial art did you? Taekwondo. Nice. Um, I've also done ballet and belly dance. Nice. <laughs> so I'm a very well-rounded person. So I I liked the the martial arts aspect of it. Um, for anyone who has not read this, and if you're a contemporary person, totally check it out. The heroine is a mixed martial artist, which is fun. And she also has a trans character. It's just a secondary character, but still sensitive um, depiction of a trans person. The hero is actually a rape survivor. So there's there's kind of a lot going on. I think that's the main weakness of the book is there's just a lot going on. That's one of the problems I have with the super romance line. They pack a lot into mm-hmm. one book and it's like, okay, you can't do all of this justice. The cover is ridiculous. That guy has a creeper grin on his face. I'm not going to blame her for the cover. No, it's not her fault. <laughs> um... I also just finished To Charm a Naughty Countess by Teresa Romaine. <gasps> did you like it? I did. I didn't like it as much as I liked her seasons books. I mean, it didn't quite grab me as much as, like, you know how much I love Seasons Scandal. The seasons books are just so incredible. Yeah. They're just, it, it's, you get, it's like the same feeling you get with Courtney Milan where you're reading it and you think every word is here for a reason. There's mm-hmm. no skimming. There's no skimming and... Like, when I read Season for Scandal, I was dangerously close to being in tears because I just wanted these people to be happy. Of course. They weren't being happy. Use your words. Use your words, please, for the love of God. <laughs> you could be so happy if you would just figure out how to relationship. Yeah, I thought the, the hero in that couldn't quite figure out how to make social interactions work. Right. So the heroine was like, okay, so here's how you fake being social interactions. Yep. When in doubt, just talk about the weather. That's right. So weather's boring. Yes, but 
it smooths the way. Yes. And no one will actually expect you to say anything else. You know who had the best advice for social situations? And I have used this so many times. You know who Valerie Plame is? Yeah. Somebody once asked her, because her husband is, you know, they were both very well connected in D.C. And someone once asked her, how did you remain a covert operative in D.C. where everyone's up in your business? And she said, there is nothing more alluring and powerful than having someone say to you at a cocktail party, really? Tell me more. <laughs> so just keep asking questions about, and people are like, you really want to know about me? That's And it's and, it, and it's not like I'm trying to be deceitful. I am genuinely interested in people, but whenever I'm feeling awkward, I just turn on the Oprah, be all up in your business. Exactly. This Wait, is why I like podcasting, because I get up all up in your business. Exactly. And you're, <laughs> you're a really good interviewer. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, mean, I do that's... my homework too. <laughs> I have a list. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, that's like Andrew Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people is mm-hmm. when in doubt, ask people questions about themselves because nobody likes anything better than talking about themselves. Oh, of course. And, and you know what? Most people are genuinely interesting. Mm-hmm. especially the people that you meet online because when you enter different internet communities if you're venturing outside of a prescribed social media collective like Facebook is sort of like the the sort of general news of everyone I've ever known ever once you venture out of a prescribed social media boundary like Facebook you're going to encounter people in the communities that you're in that are interested in the same things you are because that's why they're there it's really kind of been interesting and this is totally stealing another one of Cleolinda's lines that Twitter has revolutionized and brought back appointment TV. Oh, it so has. She's completely right about that. There are some shows that I will move heaven and earth for to watch live so on that Twitter. I can be on Twitter. Award uh, shows are like 25 times more fun. Exactly. Twi- as my mother and says, mother-in-law says on the Twitter. But yeah, she's completely right. You you're you're you make an appointment to be on yeah. Twitter with all the same people watching the show. Exactly. And like the the Dracula show that NBC had over the fall, terrible show. Awful. Way more fun to watch it live with everybody else. Yes, because everyone else in their like, sofas really? in their jammies That's is a like... thing that just happened. <laughs> what the fuck is happening right now? I don't understand. Okay, Adele Nazim. The <laughs> fuck was that? Okay, so those are the books that I've just finished. Okay, what you reading next? I am trying to finish A Song of Ice and Fire before the next season of Game of Thrones. Oh, good luck with that. I'm some portion of the way through book five because I got it in the, the giant five book kindle file so i know that i have like 80 percent of the file left i don't know how much that is it's like when i was reading um 50 shades of gray and my oh. indicator would never move forward and i kept turning pages and i was still like only eight percent in i'm like this book never ends pretty much that's how i felt about the wolf of wall street <laughs> this movie's never going to end and i'm never leaving this theater and I live here now. My ass is going to grow roots into the chair. I'm also, because re- I read many things at once, because you never know what kind of mood you're in. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading Sapphires Are an Earl's Best Friend by Shana, Shana Galen. I'm really enjoying it. I mean, every I mean, fluffy it's more minute. Spies, but yes, of course. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the spy series. Yeah. 
I have a book that is by Louisa May Alcott that's like a, apparently a crack-filled gothic romance. And I'm totally vamping as I pull up her bibliography because I don't remember what it's called. A Long Fatal Love Chase. The Long Fatal Love Chase? Yes. That sounds promising. <laughs> it's a suspense that she wrote two years before Little Women. It was only published in ninety in nineteen ninety-five. Wow. Apparently. Like like Joe March, she liked writing these, you know, horrible flood murder and crazy sauce. And that's how she kept herself sane, even though ever what everybody loved was little women. That's on my list next. A friend of mine sent it to me. Wow. That's cool. So this could this could be fun. So one last question. Yeah. What pitches have really worked on you now that you've been, you know, sort of out and about in the romance world where people want to be reviewed? Has there been a pitch or a, a, a proposition of reading a book that has really worked on you to the point where you were like, yes, I will read this immediately? Well, the dinosaur porn certainly did. Yes, that was particularly your catnip, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and never again. You know, people still email me like, do you know there's dinosaur porn? I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Yes. Of course I yes. do. Basically, anything that's any pitch that starts off with this book is so crazy. I should yeah. have you go through the Habbo files. No. <laughs> You're going to think I'm crazy, but this is what I remember about this book. Oh, that's yeah. not crazy. That sounds totally plausible. That could be like 10 books. Exactly. Exactly. She left the disturbing evidence of her. I mean, I think that's what got people to remember exactly what my habo was was that i remembered the language from the back of the book so distinctly <laughs> <laughs> at a rest stop at a rest stop with the lifelong regret of not having bought it <laughs> my mom wouldn't have let me And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Redheaded Girl. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Did you count the F-bombs? I probably should have edited more of them out, actually. There were many left on the cutting room floor, or the floor of my hard drive, or however it works when you do this digitally. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that, because it was really fun. We're going to continue our interview series. We have other interviews coming up soon, including more reviewers, including Carrie, who was a lot of fun to talk to. And I also have an interview with Marjorie Liu about her book and her movie. Yeah, she wrote a movie. It's totally rad. This podcast was brought to you by J.R. Ward's The King from New American Library. And let me tell you, if you wanted to look at gifs of excited readers, excited about a book, and using every possible cult television show in GIF form to illustrate the depth of their Kermit flail, you should go to Goodreads and look at the page for The King by J.R. Ward because there are people completely crapping themselves with joy about the fact that this book is coming out and I just lost like 12 whole minutes looking at them all because I, there were GIFs I'd never seen and I'd never seen so many happy people in GIF form in my life on one page. If you're having a bad day, go look at how excited these readers are. It's pretty cool. Anyway, New American Library wants you to know about the highly anticipated fully GIF activated new book from the number one New York Times bestselling Black Dagger Brotherhood series from J.R. Ward. Mm -hmm.
The music in each episode is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is called Mackerel and Tatties. I don't know what a tatty is, but it sounds really kind of fun and like something you shouldn't say in front of your mother-in-law. This is Michael McGoldrick from his album Aurora. You can find this album online and I will have information about where you can buy this song in the entry that goes with the podcast. If you like the podcast, you know what you should do? You should email us. The email address is sbjpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call us at 1-201-371-DBSA. Please don't forget to give us your name and where you're calling from. And if you want to make suggestions as to who we should interview, please email us. But wherever you are and whatever you're doing, Jane and Redheaded Girl and I all wish you the very best of reading. Hello. Okay. So Sorry. please explain to me. <laughs> please explain. Are you like delivering a curse onto me now when I no. know about the avocado? I will therefore have to make sacrifices to the avocado because avocados are expensive. I know. I know. It's a thing. And hopefully you will not need it. But if you ever anger the podcast gods. This is how you appease them. You sacrifice an avocado. And this happened because back in, I think it was August, um, my podcast and our parent podcast and another podcast within our podcasting amoeba hub thing all had massive recording fails. Like... My end of Skype was spitting out demonic noises. Nice. It, it was pretty incredible. Um, and a whole entire recording was lost. We ended up having to re-record the entire episode. And we said, okay, well, we're going to try this again next weekend. And I put it out on Twitter. What do you do? What is a proper sacrifice for the podcast gods? And Alina said, an avocado? And I said, sure, we'll go with that. That sounds good. So I bought an avocado and I cut it in half and I put it out on my back porch and said, I hope this is sufficient. Please work. And then we had no problems recording. So I have to put an avocado on the back porch?
Yes, cut in half. Okay. And we didn't do this this month because I figured... Ah, it requires that, monthly renewal. Uh, it does. I mean, we did it last month because Kaylee dropped from the call and we all went, oh, God, we forgot the avocado. And I realized that I had one that had been intended for my lunch that day when we were done recording. And I put it out on the back porch and everything was fine. And the recording went perfectly. See, you know. Yeah. That just ain't right. Yeah. And before we recorded this podcast, I did not have an avocado. So I did go out on the back porch and I poured out a little bit of wine and said, I understand this is not an avocado, but it's wine. It's good. You'll drink it. It's fine. But it wasn't sufficient? Um, well, the recording that you and I have done seemed to go okay. Yeah, things seem to be fine, although I haven't fully examined the audio and now I have great <laughs> fear because I don't have any avocados. I already did my grocery shopping. Yeah. Fuck. And then our Angle Fees episode we recorded on Saturday, there was a good 30 minutes that out of the middle that just wasn't there. Oh, bugger. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. So we had to re-record it. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think the re-recording was possibly better since we already rehearsed it. Of course. But, but yeah, it's still going to be an awkward edit. That's all right. <laughs> but before you go and before I start to worry about whether or not I have avocados in my house, I need yeah. to read you a book description. Okay. So recently someone asked me if there were any romances set in the Canadian Maritimes. And I put the question out and whoever runs the Harlequin book social media feed, which I believe is Jane, responded and said, let me go to the database. Unfortunately, she entered it into the database that the database returned every book that was ever set in Canada, okay. including the Maritimes. But she did remember two particular ones. And I think this might appeal to you. <laughs> all right this was Yusha? no actually it's a harlequin historical called the bride ship by deborah hale it's published in 2012 but the cover copy is fan fucking tastic all right okay. a ship full of women could only cause trouble exclamation point accurate of that governor sir robert care was certain just by considering their chaperone, though a widow, Mrs. Jocelyn Finch was young, vivacious, and utterly determined to have her own way, especially with him. Challenging the governor of Halifax, Nova Scotia, to a duel was obviously a poor way to introduce herself, but when Sir Robert accused Jocelyn and her charges of something, well, less ladylike than husband hunting, what else could she do? Besides, someone had to show this straight-laced yet gloriously compelling figure of a man that there was more to life than doing one's duty. But, as governor of Nova Scotia, Robert Kerr has worked hard to bring order to the Canadian colony, so he, re he receives word that a bride ship is sailing into Halifax Harbor. He plans on sending that shipload of strumpets back from whence they came. Shipload of strumpets. <laughs> yeah, I clicked buy this book. Like 22 at, seconds ago, like right? 22 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a ship full of ladies and she challenges him to a duel and he thinks it's a boat full of strumpets. This is this is like, yeah, this is your yeah. clickbait. Yeah, pretty much. I'm glad I could help your evening. Absolutely. 
I mean, who else doesn't want a ship full of women in the, you know, Canadian Maritimes? It was apparently a problem. Yeah, they did it in Australia. I didn't realize they'd also done it to Canada. Putting all those women on a boat. Yeah. Good times. <laughs>